Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. Good evening, folks. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue as we kick off the 2022 calendar year. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Hank and Dichter here on the show here tonight. Literally just got off of work about five minutes ago before we went live. So, Hank, thank you very much for holding down the fort. Cheers, my friend. How are you tonight? Oh, Tom, I'm pretty good. How about you? I just got out of work myself a couple hours ago, but you know what? It's okay. Last week of the season... I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Let's go Big Blue. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight, folks. I'm doing awesome. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms on Big Blue Avenue. Make sure to like the Facebook page as well that we stream on, Review and Preview Sports, and all of our social media below. Uh, Our good friend Sam Cardona posted a wonderful short YouTube segment on Dave Gettleman, which will be playing live on tonight's show in just a little bit around 7.30 p.m., But, Hank, before we talk all things New York football giants, we have a free giveaway to announce. If you folks share tonight's podcast and are subscribed to all of our social media platforms, that means you are subscribed to Review and Preview on Facebook, you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and are subscribed to our YouTube channel, you you will be entered into a free giveaway with a chance to win a review and preview long sleeve shirt. The winner of that will be revealed at during the middle of next week's review and preview show around 8 PM or so. Um, So we have about five or six people already entered only for non review and preview members. So it's for our fans. It is not for our staff. Just want to make that clear. It's about you guys. It's about the fans. And then if you have any comments tonight, uh, in the comment section, folks, we'd love to hear from you. Make sure to give us a shout out. We'd really appreciate it. So, Hank, we have some game recap to go over with the Chicago Bears. But before we get there, New Year's Day, I wake up. First thing on my phone, boom, Dan Reeves passes away at the age of 77 years old. I know I talked about this on my other show Tuesday Tuesday night, but – Talking about his time with the New York football giants coming in 1993, winning the NFC East, NFL coach of the year, stayed until 1996, and he served as head coach of this football team for four seasons. It started well, didn't end great, but a true professional and one of the best head coaches the Giants have ever had. Yeah, I don't know how high I'd rank him in terms of Giants history, but I certainly agree that he was a great coach. 
everyone that played for him, even though it wasn't necessarily a glory years era where he coached for the Giants, agreed that he was the ultimate professional. Phil Sims had a great tribute for him. So did Michael Strahan. Pretty much a lot of the Giants that, you know, were the stars that we grew up with. Actually, I really had to say a good fraction of them started off having Dan Reeves as head coach and a lot of them pretty much agreed that he was a great man. And, you know, I'm going to go even further and make the case that I personally think he should be in the hall of fame. I'm not going to elaborate too much, but let me just give you these stats for you. If you don't mind, he has won 190 games and he has a winning percentage of 535. Fun fact, that winning percentage is actually better than that of Tom Flores, who is in the hall of fame. It is also better than Dick Vermeil, who very well could end up being in the hall of fame eventually. And he also has more wins than guys such as, I believe he has more wins than Jimmy Johnson too. Now, granted, he doesn't have as much Super Bowl trophies, but still, his coaching numbers are pretty impressive. And I'll give you another fun fact. Combine his totals as a player, assistant, and head coach. He has also appeared in nine Super Bowls. He won a Super Bowl. Actually, he won two Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys. One as a player in 71, one as an assistant in 77. He took the Broncos to, I believe it was... I believe it was three – the second three Super Bowls, the first three of John Elway's career. Obviously, as Giant fans, we know what happened in 1986, but 87 and 89 were both pretty good Broncos seasons. And he also took Noah Dibler's Atlanta Falcons to the Super Bowl in 98. So, overall, he had a really good track record. And although the Giants' tenure obviously didn't turn out as well at the end, he at least got to see the end of what really was a great era. He got to coach during Phil Simms last year and LT's last year. So overall, a very good head coach and someone who I definitely think hopefully will get his day in the Hall of Fame eventually. He will definitely be missed. Taught a lot of people how to wear ties. Mm-hmm. He was a big he was a big tie guy. Rest in peace, Stan Reeves. Yes, absolutely. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, week 17. Giants at the Chicago Bears. Not the best performance to honor Dan Reeves. The Giants, Hank, why don't you take us through this game recap? Because the game was over pretty much before it even started. I'm watching first play of the game, and I'm like, here we go again. Same old Giants. So I will admit I did not get to watch this game live. Most Giants fans will probably be jealous of the fact that I saw a winning team at Madison Square Garden play. But in any event, I watched all this on my DVR. The first play of the game, Tashawn Gibson, strip sacks Mike Glennon, Bilal Nichols with the recovery. He goes 12 yards with the loose ball to the Giants' two-yard line. Not long after that, David Montgomery immediately punches the ball in the end zone. And, Tom, I don't know about you, but is it just me, but every time – the Giants start off a game down seven nothing. You just know the game is over. Yeah, because this team can't score points. We can't really move the football at all. We saw what happened uh, last week. Whether it's Mike Lennon or Jake Fromm, it's the same storyline. I'm kind of sick of talking about it at this point. We kind of flirted about it with Caitlin last week, how the Giants are – probably not going to score a touchdown in this game. And what do you know? It came out to be true. And so. then second, second Giants drive also ended a turnover. Glennon threw a pick to Gibson who returned it 31 yards to the Giants 24. And again, like clockwork, bear score a touchdown. 
This one, four-yard pass from Dalton to Darnell Mooney, 14-0 Chicago. Now, then the game started to slow down a little bit. The Giants and Bears had two straight exchanges of punts. Giants finally did score, driving 35 yards to the Bears' 20-yard line. But stop me if you've heard this before. Giants didn't score in the red zone, so they had had to settle for a 38-yard field goal by Graham Gano. 14-3 Chicago, and you know what the sad part about that is? This was the high point about this game. Because Chicago would answer with a drive of their own. They would go down to the Giants' three-yard line. Well, fortunately for the Giants, Chicago didn't score a touchdown. They got a 21-yard chip shot field goal from Cairo Santos. But it, the, the microcosm of this game happened on the ensuing kickoff. When Farrow Cooper was right by the ball trying to field it, he doesn't even touch it. He doesn't go near the ball. He just lets it bounce, thinking it would be deep in Chicago's territory, and it goes all the way into the end zone for a touchback. Like how? You're an NFL player. You're getting big bucks. You just stand there and watch the football go there. And, Tom, this isn't the first time that's happened with the Giants because if you look at some moments during the Eagles games, there were times where special teamers were just standing there like, oh, no, I'm not going to move. I'm going to let the ball bounce. It's like ridiculous. But, you know, it is what it is. It just – showed you how terrible this game was and he only took the ball three yards too good lord so west martin reported as eligible devin booker got slammed for a minus three yard yard run Derek kelly false start back at their own one yard line and then safety devin booker tackled oh no or Devonte booker rather sorry why am i confusing that guy with an nba superstar but in any event, tackled in the end zone, 19-3 to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to recap this game as quick as possible. This It was just too bad to talk about. Bears picked up more points at the end of the half. They drove down to the Giants 26. Santos kicked a 44-yard field goal. So that was the end of the first. In the second half, Chicago opened it with another scoring drive. They went 75 yards on 11 plays. Ended with another touchdown by David Montgomery, 29-3. to And... This essentially put the nail in the coffin. The Giants never really came close to mounting another scoring drive. Most of their drives would either end in punts or turnovers. Glennon threw two. In fact, Glennon threw two turn two picks in the second half, one late to Deion Bush, and then he got strip sacked again by Tashawn Gibson. And first of all, the Giants allowed history from another team. Robert Quinn had a strip sack. That was his 18th of the season, which fun fact is now the single most sacks in a season for a Chicago Bear. He broke he broke Richard Dent's record, which was 17 and a half in 1984. Giants obviously recovered that, but didn't really matter. That was all she wrote. Giants lost five of six games, and they're now four and 12. And Tom, I don't know about you, but it feels weird saying the Giants are four and 12 with one more week to play. Yeah, we do have that extra game this season, so it's going to be very interesting to see um what the Giants do in week 18 against Washington but let's go through the cons first let's just get them out of the way there was a lot of bad to talk about in this game Giants had a grand total of negative 10 passing yards rough the Giants as a team have also 
only scored 49 points total in the last five games. And Hank, we mentioned how a chunk of these have been scored in garbage time. For example, the Evan Ingram touchdown against Philadelphia. I mean, there, there was really no reasoning behind those points. What, uh, other than the Eagles just slacking off defensively, not really trying, uh, you know, they were playing sort of like a prevent defense. So, can't really give the Giants much credit for that. They've had four turnovers in a game for the second time in the past three games. Their turnover differential over the past five weeks is minus 10. Is minus 10. Giants are 0 and 5 in the past five weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mike Lennon was responsible for all four turnovers in this game. That includes the fumble on the first play of the game two interceptions and another fumble later on. And to put the icing on top of the cake, he will miss the season finale with a wrist injury ending his season. Went four of 11 for 24 yards. That's what happens when you keep getting hit and your offensive line can't block for you. You know, we keep making jokes about Billy Price. Well, you know what, Hank, the Giants missed Billy Price on Sunday. (laughs) That was one guy they really could have used on that offensive line. Um, That's sad. It really is. You had Thomas and Solder. Solder looked horrible. Um, Hernandez can't pick up a stunt to save his life. And then at left guard, you had Matt Scarra, who was sliding in at center. So you had Wes Martin starting at left guard. Um, Wes Martin was claimed off of Washington's practice squad earlier this season. And it was a real shame, too. Uh, Ingram and David Sills led the Giants in receiving. David Sills is a practice squad player, guys. Not good at all. At all. Also, the Giants were 9% on third down conversions. 9%. My head exploded when I first read that stat. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I know the offense is bad, but for it to be this bad, it's like every time you hear about the Giants in terms of their offense, offensive statistics, it's, it keeps getting worse than you realize. And what have I, Tom, what have I often been saying about the Giants this past year? Never assume that anything can get worse. They always get worse. Yeah, that they do. That they do. Um, Realistically speaking, ladies and gentlemen, it's it's going to be tough for the Giants to win on Sunday, but that's due to their offensive right. Since they've hired Joe Judge, they are last in points per game, yards per game, yards per play, and red zone efficiency. Defensively, it wasn't much better. They gave up two rushing touchdowns uh, to David Montgomery. Granted, the Giants' offense gave Chicago a short field more often than not. Uh, The Giants turnover rate was very high and Andy Dalton picked apart the Giants soft coverage. Darnell Mooney had 69 receiving yards and one touchdown. The special teams looked like dog shit. Uh, Farrow Cooper, we talked about him. That was a terrible play. But you know what? Let's get some positives. Why don't we? Let's get to some positive folks. And if you do have a comment for us on this football game against Chicago, feel free to comment in the comments section. Really appreciate it. Um, so, Saquon Barkley runs for a season high 
102 yards. Devontae Booker also added almost 50. It was very tough to decide on who a player of the week might be this week, Hank, but you and I both decided it should be the fourth-year captain out of Penn State, Saquon Barkley, as our New York Giants player of the week. Uh, He's still not the leading rusher on this team this year, which is quite sad, if I'm being honest. Uh, 563 rushing yards on on the season, only two rushing touchdowns, two receiving. He has not made the Pro Bowl now for a third consecutive year. This is a guy that Dave Gettleman referred to as a potential gold jacket guy one day. Um, Will now enter 2022 playing on his fifth-year option with nowhere in sight of getting a long-term deal. No, and I don't think – and at this point – I don't think he should. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna put numbers like that and not be the leading receiver, I mean, then yeah, I I would definitely think twice before giving him an extension. And you can say that the the ACL has been a problem. You can say that the offensive line has been a problem. All of which are fair arguments. But at the end of the day, the guy was drafted this high. You had all those expectations for him. He has been – he just has – this has not been his year. Like, you – the one of the things that bothers me a lot about this guy is he tries to get a little too fancy with his runs, and every time that happens, gets tackled but and could possibly for a loss. But you know what? I'll give him this. 21 rushes for 102 yards on the same place where he tore that very same ACL over a year and a half ago. Good for him to have a nice game, but am I handing out trophies because of this performance? Mm, not quite, but glad he at least was somewhat of a redeeming factor for the Giants in the in this game. That's all I can say. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Uh, he needs to prove his worth on this football team long term. He has a chance to rush for back-to-back yards in two consecutive games to end the season. This game, this Sunday against Washington, is going to be very telling on Saquon Barkley's future with this football team. And we have our first comments from the evening, Hank, from none other than your mother, Gloomy Week. One of our biggest, one of the biggest fans of the show. Thank you, Mom, as always, for tuning in. But you guys are great. Thank you so much for the comments, Jamie. Really appreciate it. It raises our morale a little bit. Yes. As Giants fans, you know, we have to sit here and put together, try to put together entertaining content every week for the folks watching and listening. But it gets harder and harder when this team continues to not live up to their expectations for the past almost decade. It's really sad. You know, it's hard for me to fathom. But there were some other pros about this game. Leonard Williams continues to ball out eight tackles on the day. Lorenzo Carter over his last three games. Nice surprise. Four sacks, 14 pressures. Guy flies around the field trying to make a case to stay with the football team next season. James Bradbury and Tay Crowder each had an interception. Bradbury also had two passes defended. You did not hear Allen Robinson's name much brought up on Sunday. And Jalen Smith recorded his first sack as a giant. He's been a nice addition at the inside linebacker position. Kid can move. He's young. He's 26 years old. 
he might have a future with this football team if he continues to play like this. And then most importantly, Andrew Thomas did not allow a sack yet again. He has been lights out this season. Hank, Andrew Thomas has been the lone bright spot on this offensive line over the past two seasons. Oh, and it's not even close. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that streak is now, I would have to say it about close to 500 snaps without with allowing one sack. Really impressive. Mm-hmm. And another thing I wanted to piggyback off of you, I believe since that injury, correct me if I'm wrong, Leonard Williams has averaged about seven or eight t- tackles per week despite having that elbow injury. That's yeah. the definition of a true warrior. And also an interesting, should also be noted, if I remember correctly, last time they played the Bears, James Bradbury shut down Allen Robinson that game as well. I believe he had one catch in that game, no? That he did, yeah. That he did. So it's just a way of fortune. This secondary has been a strength for the Giants this season. Um, But other pros that we have to bring up. Um, I really like the way that um, the defensive line played yet again without Dexter Lawrence. Montgomery, yes, he had the two touchdowns, but he didn't rush for that many yards. You look at guys like Austin Johnson stepping up. I think he's done a fine job this season. But other than that, there's really not much to talk about. There there really is not much to talk about. And, Hank, uh, the Giants – obviously have to fix a lot with their offensive line in 2022. And we made this proposal to shake things up and it gained a lot of traction on Twitter. I'm going to share my screen and let you know what I'm referring to. This is my proposal to help fix the Giants offensive line in 2022. I figured you would throw a Notre Dame guy in there, but at the same time, it's not without reason. He's a good he's a good center, and I would totally be fine with them taking him in the first round. They're who 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 are you talking Linderbaum. about? Linderbaum. Linderbaum went to Iowa. Oh, Iowa. Why did I think he was a Notre Dame guy? No, somebody commented. Shows you on how it. much I watch college football, folks. Somebody on our post commented uh, possibly drafting Jarrett Patterson at center, who does play for Notre Dame. That would be probably a day two or day three pick. But the reason why I view at it this way, you want to spend two high draft picks on an offensive lineman. You could potentially spend a third if you want and throw him in the mix here. But I think the Giants need to address both tackle spots and the center position and get those three positions on lockdown. We already have Andrew Thomas. We need a legit center that we know is going to be fully healthy heading into 2022. Linderbaum solves that problem. Evan Neal can play on any position, tackle or guard, on this O-line, and I really like him out of Alabama. The question is, the Giants currently hold the fifth overall pick. Will he be there? Mark Lewinsky, this is an interesting case. He is a free agent. Plays for the Indianapolis Colts, best offensive line in the NFL. Are the Colts going to be able to afford to pay him? Because they have to pay a guy like Jonathan Taylor in a couple of years. They have to. They're going to have to spend some money. You know, they they picked up a lot of Carson Wentz's contract, and they have other guys on that offensive line: Quentin Nelson, uh, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly. 
there's always an odd man out here, and it might be Mark Lewinsky. I don't know if they're going to be able to retain him. He started his career in Seattle. I think he could be a good stopgap guard for the Giants, get him on a one- or two-year deal, try to fill a hole on that offensive line. He's a much better get than a guy like a Cam Fleming or uh, a Mike Remmers. And then at left guard, I think you have Lemieux, and if Gates is healthy, compete for that spot. You could also make the argument that Gates should possibly be back at center. But right now, we don't know if Gates is going to be fully healthy. If he is, have him compete with Shane Lemieux for a starting job. I think both of those players deserve the opportunity to compete for a starting job, which is why I'm having them do that at the left guard position. Yeah, I think those are definitely, definitely would love to see that offensive line as well. I, I really hope to see Gates fighting for, for a job next year. I watching that injury. I, my biggest fear was that he wasn't even going to play again, but if he makes a nice comeback, that would be amazing. And again, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't watch as much college football as you do. I mean, like I said, you saw my blunder earlier. You can give me shit about that all you want after the show. But in any event, I have a, I have a feeling that Linderbaum and Neil, hopefully one or both of those guys are available because if we're being quite honest, there's one place the Giants should really focus in the first round of the draft. And it's pretty obvious you got to fix the line. Can't have a good offense without without a much improved line. Can it be improved all at once in year one of a potential new rebuild? Who knows? But can't be much worse than we, what they have right now, no? Then again, I may have said that a couple years ago. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Giants and their offensive line. I'd prefer to spend it on rookies in the draft because they cost a lot less money than a guy would in free agency. That's why I brought up Glowinski as a potential option because he's going to be a cheap lineman who will give you value, and that's what the Giants are looking for. You also don't need a phenomenal offensive guard to succeed in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see what the Giants do there. Uh, Key takeaways. One more game, just one more game left in this catastrophic season. Joe Judge had a press conference this week that consisted of an 11-minute rant that sparked a lot of controversy. Probably talking to John Mara because he wants to keep his job, even though John Mara publicly said that Joe Judge is safe. Dave Gettleman is likely on the outs. Kevin Abrams was standing in on this press conference press conference, which normally does not happen. I'm not going to think too much into it, but a lot of mixed reviews on this. Joe Judge going on an 11-minute rant, and maybe I'll go on a 30-second rant here. The media wanted Joe Judge to fail the second he walked in the door as head coach of the New York Giants. They've been asking him ridicule questions the past two years. Joe Judge has handled it like a professional. Joe Judge snapped on Sunday. And don't get me wrong, he deserves some of the blame. The product on the field has been porous. But to tell me you're going to fire a guy after two years who completely changed the culture of this team, hell, it's only translated into 10 wins. You also had three of your seven captains placed on season-ending IR two to three weeks into the season. It's not Joe Judge's fault. 
It's not Joe Judge's fault. It is the guy above him who assembled this football team for him. And Carl Banks came to his defense. Lawrence Tynes came to Joe Judge's defense. Logan Ryan, Julian Love, Kyle Rudolph on his interview with Tiki Barber. And most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, Saquon Barkley came to Joe Judge's defense. And look, don't get me wrong. As players, you're more than likely going to support your coach no matter what, whether they're good or bad. But people love this guy. The team loves him. The outside fans, a lot of these content creators are just reading the headlines of these articles and they're they're not looking into the grand scheme of things long term. He inherited a mess. He did not get to choose who his offensive coordinator was. And that's why the Giants have sucked, because the issue is diving into a much deeper route than Joe Judge. The argument some people have for blowing it up is that it's less about Joe Judge. It's more about the Giants organization. And that I understand. But for those people who just think Joe Judge sucks, you're wrong. He doesn't suck. Also, I'm going to call out Dan Orlovsky. Quote, Wayne Gallman wasn't the only giant to leave during the offseason. These are my words. Dan Orlovsky assumed. Who else left the Giants in the 2021 offseason? Wayne Gallman? No. Wrong. Defensive captain Dalvin Tomlinson left for the Minnesota Vikings. Arguably our best offensive lineman last season, Kevin Zeitler, left for the Baltimore Ravens. Kyler Fackrell left for the Los Angeles Chargers, who was second on the team in sacks last year. Golden Tate left. David Mayo left, former starting linebacker, core special teams guy. Dan Orlovsky, do your research. Do your damn research. That's all I got to say. In the rant, he basically called out Shermer and the way he coached. At least he finished out the season strong with a few wins. Same thing with Ron Rivera in Washington with calling out a team for sideline fights. At least they were fighting for a playoff spot when this happened. Well, that's here's why I disagree with that. Joe Judge stated today he was not calling out the Washington football team. The media makes it sound like he's calling out the Washington football team. You don't know the context behind of what he's saying, guys. We're not having fistfights on the sideline. He may just be talking about a t- not one particular team in the NFL, but it may just be a generalized statement that this team has their shit together. They have it under control. They're just not winning football games. The media is making the general public think that he's taking shots at Ron Rivera and Pat Shermer. And in my opinion, that's not the case. That's not the case. Pat Shermer is an offensive coordinator right now who can't decide between a running back. He's irrelevant to me. And Ron Rivera is the head coach of the Washington football team. Their organization has a lot more issues that don't involve him. But I don't think Joe Judge had any bad words to say about Ron Rivera and the way he manages his football team. Ron Rivera cleaned up his team last year. Look what he did with Dwayne Haskins, right? Perfect example. No shots were taken at Ron Rivera or Pat Shermer. Lawrence Tynes. Now there's rumors about Jim Harbaugh, Hank. I want to ask you, mm-hmm. do you think Jim Harbaugh would be a good option as a head coach? 
if Joe Judge is gone after this season? Honestly, I wouldn't have a problem with Jim Harbaugh, and if I'm being completely honest. I mean, listen, the guy has a proven track record. He has been known to turn bad teams into good teams. Now, am I saying this is going to happen? Absolutely not. He's doing pretty well at Michigan. College coaches tend to get far more job security, so I say no. But if they had the chance to get Jim Harbaugh, I would not be opposed. I mean, let's not forget, this is a guy who went 13-3 with Alex Smith as a starting quarterback. And he almost got to the Super Bowl with him. And not to mention, he came this close to winning a Super Bowl with freaking Colin Kaepernick. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's a bad option. I just, I don't really think it's realistic, personally. Zeitler didn't leave. He was released because it was decided that using cap space to sign Kyle Rudolph, Devontae Booker, John Ross, and Mike Lennon was more important. Part of the same reason why Dalvin isn't back. You're correct. With me saying Zeitler left was not saying Kevin Zeitler decided to leave. But Kevin Zeitler did leave the football team. He was released. I never said Kevin Zeitler left. I wasn't saying like he walked out. These are players that the Giants lost, that Joe Judge was not responsible for losing. This falls on Dave Gettleman, ladies and gentlemen, not Joe Judge. Um, Lawrence Tynes had something to say on the Jim Harbaugh rumors. Too many stories from players, so this won't work. Keep Judge, the players like him. Upgrade the talent, get some offensive coaches, and get guys healthy. This is not rocket science. You can't win if your best players are hurt or don't play well. I agree with Lawrence Tynes a thousand percent. Would I make the call to Jim Harbaugh? Maybe. Maybe. Would I bring him in next year? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Michigan couldn't beat Ohio State until this year. David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson have like majority of the, of the team sacks. They account for like what is it like twenty five of like the thirty eight sacks, something like that that they have. I don't think Jim Hart. There's a huge risk with moving a college coach to an NFL coaching position, especially when he was once in the NFL before. The game has changed since Jim Harbaugh's last been an NFL head coach. That's so true. And with the way the Giants are trending, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to be an option. I wouldn't lose sleep over it if the Giants decided to hire Jim Harbaugh. I would just prefer to keep Joe Judge. And like I said, ladies and gentlemen, Giants currently hold the fifth and eighth picks heading into the 2022 NFL drafts, folks. State your opinion on Jim Harbaugh. Would you consider him? Without further ado, it is time for some turnover tea with the lovely girl who talks sports, Sam Cardona. She's going to talk about a couple of social media interactions about Giants GM Dave Gettleman that went down this week. I hope you all enjoy this video. And then when we come back, we will be bringing on our guest for the evening, Marty joins from Intercept Your Lunch. We'll be joining this show at 7.45 p.m. Eastern time. Steve says, I doubt Harbaugh will. I agree um, with that, Steve. But let's get to some turnover tea with Sam Cardona. What's up, guys? Uh, Tom and Hank, hello. Uh, Sam Cardona here. Uh, guys, may remember me uh haven't been able to do pre-recorded segment for 
uh, Big Blue Avenue in a little while. But when the tea is hot, everybody, the tea cannot wait. So we have our first turnover tea in quite some time. Very excited about it. Um, And I'm sure many of you guys know what's going on here. So the main thing is the Joe Judge rant, right? 11 minutes of just him rambling about who knows what, honestly. Uh, It's been a, it was, it was a lot. After the embarrassing loss to the Bears, I mean, embarrassing. This is, this is just not a good look for the New York Giants whatsoever. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but Joe Judge said a lot in this post game. And uh, we'll, we'll go over a couple things. We'll go over some players tweets in this tea because it is, it's, it's pretty hot. There's a lot of things going on. So we'll start with Joe Judge rambling on for 11 minutes. Um, first things first, took aim at Washington. Took aim at Washington for that fight that happened on the sidelines last week. He said, this ain't a team that's having fistfights on the sidelines. This isn't some clown show organization or something else, okay? Obviously, like, shooting shots left and right. Like, he was, like, unfiltered, didn't care what was going on there. Um, and then the other thing, which I've, you know, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm a little skeptical. I'm a little skeptical of things that are going on um, with the fact that Joe Judge said that there are current players who are begging him to stay and players who have left the organization saying that he, like they were, wanting like they would have rather stayed and made less money with the New York Giants um and play for Joe Judge than be where they are now which again I'm not saying it didn't happen but I just feel like it gives off the vibes that it, it might be a little bit of a stretch of the truth which we all do we all do that it's fine but in terms of players that are like begging him to stay, I don't know who would be begging him to stay. Um, again, maybe they're hoping things are different when Gettleman leaves and that if JoJo stays, it'll be a completely different team. Like we're, we're still figuring that part out. But in terms of people who have left, the only pe- the only player that I feel like left is making more money would be Dalvin Tomlinson with the Vikings. And like, do you really think Dalvin picked up the phone? And was like, hey, coach, uh, I know I'm making a lot more money uh, with the Vikings. Um, and, like, we didn't make the playoffs or anything. But, like, we, we did a fairly solid job this year. Um, but, like, I kind of wish that I was making less money and playing for you. Millions of dollars? You'd rather play for Joe Judge? I don't know. That just, the, the entire thing, again, maybe something of the effect like that happened. But I, I don't know. It just, it gives me, it gives me weird, weird vibes. But Joe Judge has had a lot to say. And while I know the reports have come out saying that Daniel Jones and Joe Judge are both like A-OK, fine, coming back next year, I feel like there's still the possibility that Joe Judge's job is still not completely secure which is interesting. Uh, so we'll see what happens in this offseason. Someone who definitely will not be coming back, uh, and if he does, uh, I know me, Tom and Hank, may or may not like 
had to have an emergency meeting. Um, but Dave Gettleman is most likely leaving. And that that's the other side of the T here. And that's the, the tweets. One of the two, well, technically two of these tweets, uh, Tom sent to our group chat to decipher, which was in and of itself crazy. Um, but I'll start with this one first from Scott Simonson, who had very, very strong emotions towards Dave Gettleman. So I'll just read you guys off the tweet. Dave Gettleman is an atrocious GM and not a good person, in my opinion. The fact that he's had this much time to not be good at his job while deciding others' fates and indebting one of the most historically respected franchises is embarrassing and also a strong example of karma existing with a big old thumbs down. So that is a lot. Like, to say... To come out and criticize somebody's job is one thing. We do it all the time, right? We're like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. This guy's here. This guy's that. We don't know. But to come out and say someone's not a good person is a huge swing in a different direction. Like, that is a totally different thing there. Shane Smith put out a tweet, and this comes from the two tweets that Tom sent us in here. So Shane Smith said, let me clarify, not speaking poorly on uh, DJ sorry, DG, uh, as a person. I loved my time with New York. But there's obviously something wrong if they've had multiple coaches and great players go there and no one can have success, which is a very valid point. You know, yeah, maybe Daniel... uh, Why do I keep wanting to say Daniel Jones? Um, Dave Gettleman is not the best GM, but perfectly fine person, doing his best, whatever. Elijah Penny decided to quote that tweet, and he said... This is lame. Be honest, bruh. You gave up two sacks against the Cowboys. GM ain't got nothing to do with what you put on tape. Again, this is whack. First of all, you guys are all grown adult men. Why are we having Twitter fights? Like, I feel like if you guys want to have this conversation, have the conversation. Call a meeting. Bring in older players. See what's going on. Players who have played for uh, Dave Gettleman. By the way, I didn't mention that Scott Simonson played for the Giants and the Panthers with Dave Gettleman. So different organizations there. And he said those things, uh, bad, bad things about Gettleman there. So there's just a lot of things going on. I really don't think we should be having these conversations over Twitter. Um, I think that th- things could be better. Um, but Gettleman most likely gone. Judge who in the world knows. Daniel Jones, I have a feeling, will be staying next year. I don't think that we're going to be a drafting a quarterback, picking up a quarterback, depending on whatever goes on with Russell Wilson and whatever else is happening in this mix. Um, but yeah, the uh the tea in the New York Giants is very hot, and it's mostly because we are just a hot dumpster fire. That's what's heating up the tea is the flame coming out of the dumpster that we live in, basically. So, um, Tom and Hank, thank you guys for letting me rant and record um, another segment for you guys to send out into the world. Hope you guys enjoyed this turnover tea. And uh, uh, let's go, Big Blue. Let's try and end off on a good note. Like, I know it's Jake Fromm coming into the mix here for our last game of the season, but let's let's try and go out on top. Give me a little bit of hope. Make me actually want to watch the games, right? All right, guys. Bye.
That was Sam Cardona with some turnover tea. And we have our guest, Marty Joins from Intercept Your Lunch. Marty, how's it going? It's been a while. Hey, how's it going, guys? You guys hear me well? Yep. All right. Like uh, like yeah, that's right. Yeah, I built it myself just two minutes before the show. But uh, I appreciate uh, the invite. Yeah, it has been a while and excited to talk NFL football. I don't know if we're too excited to talk about this Week 18 matchup, but we're excited to talk football, so let's do it. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of uh, good things to talk about. And a quick comment here from Steve saying, the Wolves are out and Gettleman is wearing a steak necklace. Interesting <laughs> comment there by Steve. Funny one as well. It's a great one. Thanks for the comment, Steve. But Marty, back in week two, the Giants lost to Washington 30-29, to a game the Giants led for majority of the game. But obviously, that game felt like it was in a different season at this point with how long this season has been entering week 18. It was a game where Graham Gano kicked five field goals. Perfect uh, way to define our season. <laughs> Jonathan Allen had two sacks for Washington. And Taylor Heineke, threw for over 300 yards in that game with two touchdown passes. So Taylor Heineke, Marty, just talk to me about him. What are your overall thoughts on him? Because I wasn't so sure he'd be the starting quarterback for the entire season, but with Fitzpatrick out, he's held his own. Certainly. Uh, He definitely played better than expected. Uh, Do I believe he's the answer for 2022? Absolutely not. Do I believe that he solidified himself in a backup role, if not here in Washington, somewhere else in the NFL? Absolutely. I mean, just the way that he commands an offense. He's been in for a few years. But I think the key to him is his mobility. He's super athletic. People don't give him enough credit for that. I mean, he runs four or five. He can get out of that pocket and scramble. He can get out of sacks, and he can move to help a pretty bad offensive line play at some points of the season. So I think NFL scouts around, if he was to be sent packing, um, would definitely jump on him for a backup veteran case. Absolutely. Now, Washington is coming off a 20-16 to loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles have clinched a playoff berth. And, of course, the infamous fall from the fans on Jalen Hurts as the rail gave out. Uh, not 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 a good look there for either organization, but um, this this game, Washington was in this game. I got to give rookie running back Jarrett Patterson a lot of credit. Kid from Buffalo, had a touchdown, five catches for 41 yards. Yeah. What's the situation at running back right now? Do we know who's starting on Sunday? Is it Gibson? Is it McKissick? Is it Patterson? Yeah, I, uh, right now I believe it would be Patterson. Gibson's still a little limped up, and I would I would feel that Patterson would get the ball just due to the fact that we're not playing for anything. Gibson's had a pretty solid year uh, with the four-game win streak especially. He was leading the NFL in those four weeks and actually um, was the top NFC rusher. Uh, so he's definitely had production, but Jared Patterson, like you mentioned, He's been a guy who, in the preseason, was a fan favorite, really latched onto this team, taking that identity of just trying to be a guy to do something for a team each week, and he did great last week. So we'll see if he can get some holes there in New York. 
Absolutely. Now, Hank, you're going to go over some of the X's and O's here for the folks at home as the Giants and Washington, both towards the bottom of the NFL in several categories this season, including defense. Yeah, for sure. And I think the big thing I got to ask you is, with the way Washington's defense has been so poorly, how surprised are you that that's been the case? Oh, it it was super surprising, right? I mean, the way that we finished the season – off last year against some tough competition, I'll say, but not as tough as we saw this year. But it was definitely surprising the way that they definitely started. Again, I, I go back to that four-game win streak. We were te- holding teams to 15 points, though. So there's a very small sliver where we were working on both sides of the ball effectively, and hopefully they can use that for this offseason as motivation to get that defense back to where it needs to be. Obviously, you spent first-round pick on Jamin Davis this past NFL draft out of Kentucky. <laughs> Cole Holcomb has been the leading tackler. Um, Cameron Curl has been a nice surprise. Seventh-round pick last year. Obviously, Landon Collins is there. Another former Giant, David Mayo, has been a starting linebacker in recent weeks. So there's a lot of uh, solid players on that team. I think the biggest issue is not having Chase Young this season he seems to be the catalyst on your defense marty but Mm -hmm. you know i'm still concerned because the giants look guys they're a very injury plague team beat reporter dan duggan put out a tweet this week linebacker quincy roche cornerback james bradbury and punter riley dixon are the only giants to be full participants at every practice this season and i think it's it's really just demoralizing to hear that and it all leads up to jake from starting at quarterback (laughs) on sunday who i hope he does well but marty honestly does jake from bring anything (laughs) to the table that scares you as a fan (laughs) Uh, no, I mean, if, if this was a win and get in scenario and I had to face uh, Jake State from, it definitely would make me feel a lot easier, right? I mean, going against the Eagles, what was he? I looked at the stats before jumping on the show, 6 of 17, 25 yards and an interception. I mean, that's that's not great stats. Jake Fromm, a guy out of Georgia, I thought that would have, I thought he would have been more progressed at this point. He played a lot of ball down in Georgia. But it just doesn't seem like his game's translating. It doesn't help that the Giants right now are, like you said, a lot banged up and Barkley still, still, I think, recovering from that injury. But um, regardless, I just feel like if I said if this was a win and get in, I'd be smiling ear to ear as a fan that might potentially want to lose this game for a better draft pick. The Jake Fromm kind of scares me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say because Mike Lennon was a disaster and Jake Fromm's even more of a disaster, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it, it's it's really tough. Uh, mm-hmm. Luckily, though, for the Giants, there are some reinforcements. Uh, Jake Fromm might have Darius Slayton coming off the COVID list in addition to Dexter Lawrence and Danny Shelton on that defensive line. But Hank, unfortunately... Rookie edge rusher Ellerson Smith heading to IR. His season only lasted eight games, four tackles, and two quarterback hits. A fourth-round pick from Dave Gettleman that, quite frankly, hasn't 
panned out so far, which gives us another reason as to why he has to go. Yep. Mm. It's yeah. funny listening to you guys talk about Dave Gettle and coaching issues. I, I definitely don't envy envy you guys there. No. Um, Chris Myrick was waived yesterday, claimed by the Cincinnati Bengals. Isaiah Wilson terminated from the practice squad. I mean, we're a mess. But, Marty, our next question for you is this. Charles Leno has agreed to a three-year, $37.5 million extension. He is the 18th-ranked tackle on PFF this season. What are your thoughts on this extension? Do you like it? Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? Because we we did have Trent Williams, who mentioning the PFF rating is 98.3 right now. We did have him two years ago. We could have re-upped him. We didn't want to pay him. There were some medical issues as well on our end, medical mismanagement. But regardless, we let a guy like that walk. We were lucky enough to get Charles Leno this offseason, and he's been a great addition to the team. I'm just – uh, I just have that sore subject at left tackle because we definitely had a great one and we let him go. But Charles Leno's filled in great, and hopefully our future starting quarterback will feel safe with Leno on the blind side. Is there anybody you had in mind? Again, I don't want you to give away your uh, predictions for the 2022 offseason, but <laughs> where are you trending right now, depending on where Washington might pick in the draft, what they might do in free agency? What are you thinking at the quarterback position right now? Yeah, so if uh, Marty was the general manager of the Washington football <laughs> team, I'm calling John Snyder and asking for Russell Wilson, come on over, come to D.C., we love you here. You can be a political figure. And that would be that's where I would have all of my attention driven to right now. I don't know if it's possible, feasible, but that's exactly where I would go. I think I'd let Deshaun Watson and that kind of show, I'll say, just just find somewhere else, but focus on trying to get Russell Wilson draft wise, if that's not possible. I love the quarterback Sam Howe out of um, North Carolina. He would be my favorite per se. I know a lot of people like Kenny Pickett as well. Uh, two guys that played a lot of college ball, which I like. And um, But it's got to be Russell Wilson for me, man. We, we've got to solidify that position. It's been 20-plus years of just terrible quarterback play. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to the days we had Mark Burnell, Patrick Ramsey, Jason Campbell. Yeah. A lot of guys. The list goes on and on and on. I mean, just a- John Beck. <laughs> RG three, yeah. John Beck. Yeah, yeah, I mean, John Beck. You never know when I'm going to throw an obscure Todd name. Collins. Todd, Todd Collins, Todd Collins too. Yeah, it's oh. funny. It's funny. My uh, just sitting back and you know being a fan for the last 15 years of just solidly watching this team. I can for sure, without a doubt, say Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback I've ever seen play in a Redskin or Washington football team jersey. So. It'll be interesting to see if we can make that better for me. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, very. I think he's a very underrated quarterback in this NFL. A mm-hmm. lot of people think he's overrated. I think the opposite. I think he's underrated. Um, yeah, I would take him back in a heartbeat too. If, if, if uh, you know, you guys know quarterback issues. You guys understand that, and and just getting somebody who can be competent enough to win a few games sometimes is enough. I don't need Aaron Rodgers. I don't need Patrick Mahomes. I just need a guy who won't throw an interception and might know half the playbook. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that, was, that was foreign to us until a couple years ago. Certainly. 
very <laughs> foreign. Um, too bad Daniel Jones is not playing in this game. He's had a lot of success against Washington. But, yes, he has. Um, <laughs> yes, he has. Hank, let's get into some keys to the game. We'll start with you here on this one. Um, what do you got for us? What's what's your biggest key to a Giants win on well, Sunday, which seems nearly impossible at this time? For starters, I don't know, maybe score points. I don't know. Sounds like a novel concept. <laughs> I mean, do you know how many you know how many touchdowns the Giants have scored in their last thirty five possessions? Marty, I want you to Tom. I know you know the answer, so I'm not going to make you guess. Marty, I want you to guess this one. I believe I saw this online, but it's zero. Actually, the correct answer is one, but you're pretty damn close. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, Marty laying down the hammer. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and where are we ranked in scoring on offense? 31st, 15.7 points per game. Pathetic. And defensively, Washington has been allowing nearly 27 points per game. So, I'd like to think maybe things had changed, but then again, as I've said numerous times on the show, the way the Giants have difficulty scoring touchdowns, you'd think they were trying to solve advanced calculus. Yeah, that's pretty much what they're trying to do out there, right? <laughs> Best weapon has been Evan Ingram all season long. Pro Bowl tight end. Unbelievable. <laughs> <sighs> uh, Marty, what is your key for – a Washington win on Sunday. Obviously, you know, there there's a lot around you guys this year. I mean, no Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson's been banged up. I mean, you still got Scary Terry, who had a really good outing against the Giants yeah. the first time out. Yeah, yeah, he certainly did. And that's one player I'm going to look at. I know that's the, the big name for us, but just a key for him. He's 40 yards away from 1,000, so I'd love to see him do that. He was all, I think he was 50 or 60 yards in there short his rookie season to go and back to back to back 1,000 yards for a wide receiver. And that might not sound much to the average folk, but remember the quarterback situation that this guy's played with for the last three years. He's had over eight quarterbacks throw him passes, which is unheard of, and he's still getting production. So a name out there I think gets disrespected and underlooked at is him. But a key for this game in particular is run the ball. I mean, if the Washington football team wants to win this game, they've got to control the clock. Get Gibson and or Patterson, whoever's the horse for Sunday, 20-plus carries. I mean, that's the that's how we're winning ball games, and that's what we need to do to win on Sunday. And that's funny you bring that up because my key for the Giants is actually winning the battle in the trenches because back in week two, the Giants outrushed Washington 163-87. to 87. But if you remember in this game, Nick Gates went down with a season-ending, potential career-ending injury. Shane yeah. Lemieux didn't play. I'm not sure if Blake Martinez got hurt that week or the week after. I'm not sure if that was the Washington game, but the that Giants was pretty game. much – That was that was that, Okay, that was the Falcon game. But, Falcon. yeah, that Nick Gates injury was brutal, and since then the Giants haven't really been able to do much in the trenches. It's going to be guys like – Billy Price, Matt Scura, Will Hernandez against Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. I'm not very confident in that. On the other side, we're looking at former giant Eric Flowers, who's made a nice career as a guard for himself. Brandon Scherf, the guy I wanted to draft six, seven years ago. 
and Keith Ishmael, the center, who isn't half bad. So I think Washington holds the edge there, and that's going to be yes, key. certainly, yeah, certainly. And Ishmael is uh, Keith Ishmael is the uh, fourth center on our roster. So uh, just again, it'll be interesting to see if they can hold their own against the Giants' weak front. Absolutely. We have a comment from Garth Michael Patrick saying, "What's up?" Checking in to show some quick support going hard in the gym right now. You see his Facebook profile picture is also <laughs> Garth in the gym. He's a big L.A. Chargers fan, but he's also a big Gators fan. Rob Sale, current Giants offensive line coach, to my Florida Gators when the season ends for O-line coach. I hate to say this, Garth, but you're probably correct. You're probably <laughs> correct. I think – Rob Sale got a lot more production out of a very bad Giants offensive line this year than Mark Colombo or uh, the replacement who came in last year did. To so, Guglielmo. To Guglielmo, yeah. I'm surprised you remember his name, but um, <laughs> Googs, we call them. But, yeah, I mean, we suck. Uh, there's not much more to really talk. We're losing our offensive line coach, probably the only good offensive positional coach that we have, but defensively, I think you got to pressure Taylor Heineke. You know, I think Lorenzo Carter could cause some problems. Aziz Ojolari has eight sacks on the season. Quincy Roche has been a nice pickup as well for New York, but Washington has great weapons and Terry McLaurin and Cam Sims, who Marty, it seems every time the Giants play Washington, Cam Sims catches like a 40, 50 yard pass. At least yeah, once he's, he definitely has your number in the sense of uh, big time plays. He's been doing that his whole career here. He, de- he doesn't get the opportunities. He doesn't get the looks. I don't know if it's because of ability or just coaching, but when he does, he definitely shines, and he's done that against you guys a few times. He has. Uh, Steve says, Hank is the rain man of Giants football knowledge. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's high praise. I love that movie, by the way. That's one of Dustin Hoffman's best. Hank, I think there's one more key we forgot. Uh, It's your favorite one. I think it's a key for both teams, for Washington and the Giants. Um, hmm, I don't know. Maybe when your defense is on a third down, maybe, I don't know, get off the field. Would be nice. Another novel concept. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a novel concept because the Giants are pretty bad at doing it. Uh, usually the method to beating the Giants is creating some turnovers or just getting off the field yourself and then tiring out the defense. And that's what Marty alluded to before. Pound the rock and you'll be yep. fine. You know, Giants yep. special teams has been pretty bad as well as of late, which is shocking because we have a, a spe- former special teams coordinator as our head coach. So <laughs> That's alarm. Uh, Marty, what's your opinion on Joe Judge? From the outside looking in, he's just a guy who's a lot of rah-rah and uh, he doesn't seem to get the per- – performance or production out of his players. Um, I know he was an an under-the-radar hire when it did happen. A lot of people said who. A lot of people think that if they can get somebody who even sat in the same room as Bill Belichick could potentially turn their franchise around. If I were the Giants, I would probably clean house and start fresh. I don't think Joe Judge is the answer, especially if you're trying to find that quarterback guru whisper. Interesting. Yeah. 
I think a lot of outsiders agree with you that Joe Judge should go. Um, yeah. You know, that's where a lot of outsiders are, are leaning right now. I think really the only people that are really defending him are like the hardcore Giants fans that are very close knit to the team or former players who work with him behind closed doors. I think those are the only people that really want him to to, to stay. But uh, we'll see what happens. So. Moving on, we have our players to watch segment. And Marty, we'll start with you here as the guest. Who are your players to watch for Washington? And then since the Giants stink, you can give us like one, one, one player who you really think stands out to you. But let's start with Washington here. <laughs> I think for Washington, a guy who's been in the news this week, Ron Rivera's talked about him as tight end Sammy Reyes. Um, folks might not know too much about him. He's only played sparingly. Uh, we signed him through the international program. Never played football before in his life. Played here this year. Um, he's definitely going to get some opportunities. I think this is going to be his interview. Um, if he can go out, catch a few balls, block well, I think he'll get a shot to make the team next year. But if he comes out and lays a stinker, uh, he's definitely going to be looking for another career path, I believe in the NFL or in other, other sports. Definitely. I think that's, that's definitely a good player. Um, anybody else that stands out to you, maybe on the defensive side of the ball that could cause the yeah. Giants offense, some problems. Certainly. Uh, you've mentioned him before, but I believe he's another underrated player for the Washington football team. Safety Cameron curl. Uh, when we, we're getting beat up by the NFC East opponents. He was out due to COVID, unfortunately, for that first Cowboys game and the first Eagles game. So he's another guy, great player. Um, he's definitely the glue that keeps the defense together. I know we have a lot of big names, but his tackling on the back end is something uh, that we haven't seen here in a very long time. And we're, we're fortunate enough to get him, and uh, hopefully he can stick around for a few more years. Yeah, I think he's a really good player to watch. Um, Hank, what about you? Who are you looking out for for Washington this week? Ooh, that's a good question. I think one guy I would have to look out for, obviously Scary Terry. I mean, 11 catches, 107 yards and touchdown. This is back in week two. Now, Marty, fun fact about that performance Scary Terry was actually the first Washington receiver since Pierre Garcon to have a 100-yard performance. So that tells you how big of a deal that is. And I think he will definitely be a big test for our secondary. So I think he's he's definitely a no-brainer for me and guys to watch. Yeah, he definitely uh, will be uh, interesting to see what he can do. He'll probably surpass 1,000 yards on the season on Sunday. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we'll have to monitor that. And I think for me, at least JD McKissick is a guy to look out for as well, especially if you're looking to move the chains on third down, the giants tend to struggle against backup running backs who can catch the ball. Boston Scott is a prime example for the Philadelphia Eagles, but for Washington, I think McKissick five catches, 83 yards back in week two, 43 catches on a season. If, especially if Gibson can't play, He'll see an uptick in work, whether it's in third down situations or in pass protection. I think he's a guy. And I'm also scared of Jonathan Allen. 
28 yeah. quarterback hits this season to go with eight and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss. He started all 16 games, and PFF has him ranked as the fifth best interior defensive lineman in the entire NFL. So those he's, are, he's definitely he's definitely been playing solid. Took that step that we needed. A lot of first round draft picks on that defensive line, but Jonathan Allen took those reins when Jack Del Rio came in and hasn't looked back. Has definitely been playing the best football of his career and of any of those players on that defensive line. Yeah, he's been really good. He's been fun to watch. And then you get to that second level, you got Cole Holcomb right there waiting to swallow you up if you somehow get past that Washington uh, front yeah. in the in the trenches. 131 um, tackles on the season. Another underrated player. Yeah. A uh, couple former Giants, Hank. Landon Collins <laughs> and, da- and David Mayo. Uh, Mayo has 27 tackles and three starts this season. Landon Collins, 81 tackles, three sacks, two picks. So he's not putting up numbers he did when he was on the Giants, but you know he's also a bit older now. Washington also has a better defense where – you know, you don't have to stand out as much as a safety. And if your tackles are over 100 as a safety, unless you're a box safety like an Ed Reed or a Troy Palomalu, it's probably not a good stat to have over 100 tackles as a safety. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just remember 2019, the Giants signed Antoine Bethay to a one-year deal in free agency. Leads the team in tackles. And then he's off the team the next year. <laughs> Lovely. Um Hank, who do you got for the Giants, man? I mean, it's been a long time coming, but we got to talk about our team just a little bit here tonight. Just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, it's big blabbing. Uh, I would have to say Leonard Williams. As I mentioned earlier on the show, it seems to me like despite the elbow injury, he's been getting like seven or eight tackles a game. And I have a feeling he's going to have another good performance to close out the season and he has been one of the few Giants that has shown up to play over the course of the second half, and that's with all the speculation about the head coach, and that's with an injury too. So a big, major, major props to him. And by the way, fun fact, he won the 2021 George Young Ernie Acorsi Good Guy Award, 21st Daniel Award given among Giants players. I think that's really cool. And over the course of the season, he has had 77 tackles, 13 hits, on quarterback and five and a half sacks. I can definitely see him having a strong impact in this game. So I think Leonard Williams is definitely a no brainer for me. Yeah. I mean, he's been the guy all year long. McKinney's been really good. Five interceptions. He's a guy to look out for 10 passes defended. Lorenzo Carter, Hank, it's been so nice of him to show up this late in the season. You're right. On contract year four sacks and four pressures in the last four games. But for me, it's Saquon Barkley. Only reason why I'm wearing his jersey tonight, I'm not even the biggest Barkley fan, but um, (laughs) Barkley, I think there's going to be a lot of added pressure for him before uh, he enters the fifth-year option next year off his rookie deal. Barkley has 563 yards on the season. He's still not the team's leading rusher. So that's just a real shame that Devontae Booker still is the leading rusher on this football team. We're heading into the last week of the season. I mean, I think that tells you all you need to know 
about the Giants' offensive struggles this season. But Marty, if there's a player on the Giants, right, that you would steal and bring on the Washington <laughs> football team, who would it be and why? Can I get one offensive and one defensive? Sure. Cool. I'll start on the defensive side. Cornerback James Bradbury. I've always liked his game when he was in Carolina. I thought when Ron Rivera moved to Washington and he was a free agent, was a match made in heaven, needed a cornerback. Unfortunately, we didn't get him. I can only can attest to what I see from the outside, but I know last year he played great, and he usually plays really well against us. And then offensively, I'd love to steal that guy whose jersey you're wearing, Saquon Barkley, Penn State graduate, loved watching him play. I think he would be suited for a career, uh, a better career if he didn't wear the big blue. You might be right about that. Yeah, I mean, it just, he's just, I think he's, I still think he's a generational talent at, at yeah. running back, I think the injury definitely put a damper on this season. I think you'll see a better Barkley next year. Plus, it's a contract year. It seems like NFL players always catch that juice when it's that time. But uh, I just feel like he's a guy that if you can centralize that offense around him, he can be special. And I truly think if the Giants do the right thing this offseason, they get a good GM to come in that helps fix the offensive line. The Giants are in a good spot heading into 2022 because they have a fourth-place schedule because they will finish in last. And you're talking about a team that could potentially float around 500 next year if all goes right, right? Mm -hmm. And that's if all goes right, if everybody stays healthy. (laughs) I mean, I think eight, nine wins would be the ceiling, and then the floor would be similar to what we did this year, four four wins. And we unfortunately hit the floor this year, but – um, yeah, Barkley and Bradbury, those are two really good picks. Now, I know yeah. you guys acquired William Jackson in the in the offseason. Is he out on Sunday? I believe he is out, and if he did play, he wouldn't be much of a factor. He's been definitely a guy that's been disappointing so far this season. We let Ronald Darby walk for this guy, paid him even more money. I was told prior to from Bengals fans, great man, coverage guy. And we don't play much man coverage. So it's, it was an interesting sign this for this offseason. But hopefully um, he can turn it around next year because we've got him for another three. Yeah, and I remember when you signed Darby a year or two ago, it was a one-year $4 million deal. Yeah. You caught steal. him on a bargain. Absolute steal. Um, I think Darby's knock was is that he never really played a true 16-game season. Always hurt. And for us – He was durable, dependable. We let him go. I think he was banged up early in the season for the Denver Broncos, but um, he ended up finishing the season. I think he actually played pretty well out there for a good defense. And I'm looking at Washington's injury report on Sunday. Curtis Samuel, hamstring injury. He hasn't been healthy all year. What a disappointment that signing was because I thought, you know, I mean, I thought he'd be a good slot receiver for you guys. Yeah, Um, cheers cheers to – Curtis Samuels, the only guy I think in the NFL that played five snaps, been hurt every week, but did not land on the IR at all. So cheers to him. (laughs) And then Ricky Steele-Jones dealing with a concussion as well. Um, You mentioned uh, Sammy Reyes at tight end potentially. Um, So I I don't really know, like, like, 
who would be that go-to player over the middle of the field. You're probably ta- looking at like Adam Humphreys, J.D. McKissick, guys who you can hit yeah. underneath that could move the chains. Yeah, so, certainly. And and rookie tight end John Bates out of Boise State, fourth-round pick, has definitely um, been our best tight end, and he's been a great player. And just getting started, I think he could have a great career in Washington. I think the Giants are going to struggle against Montez Sweat as well. If he plays, I don't know what his issue is. I know he hasn't been practicing much this week. And then Sam Cosme, limited with the hip, second-round pick. Yeah, he's had a great year so far, just can't stay healthy, Sam Cosby. And and Montez Sweat, too, broken jaw. I think he's still going to just hang it up for the year and start looking at tropical vacations. (laughs) And. When we get to the Giants injury report, nine players who were limited, and Mike Glennon's done for the year. Ellerson Smith was placed on IR. And there were still four other players who did not practice today, one of them being Kadarius Toney, another one of them being John Ross. That's two wide receivers down on Sunday. So if I'm Washington right now, you just blanket Kenny Galladay with Kendall Fuller or whoever it may be, and you'll be smooth sailing. Just got to worry about Galladay and Barkley, you know, and you'll be victorious. I've got to laugh, Tom, every time I hear Tony's name. All I could think about was the uh, review and preview draft special and your reaction of just absolute enjoyment with the Tony pick. Uh, Watching that live was something that was definitely a highlight of the 2021 sports podcasting world for me. (laughs) Wasn't that? I thought that was on the brew party, no? It was, but it was pretty much like half. It was like a, a mix between review and preview and brew party people. And what was yeah, so was funny about it? What was <laughs> so funny about it was I read a report about him a week before the draft that the Giants were interested, and I'm like, all right, because we need a slot receiver. We didn't need a bona fide number one at Kenny Galladay. <laughs> yep. I totally would have been fine with beefing up the line and getting good role players at wide receiver. And I'm like, yes, I like Kadarius Tony. Because I, I didn't think the Giants were drafting him in the first round. I thought they would draft him in the second round. But mm-hmm. I had to play it up a little bit because everybody else was down. And I do think it was a good pick. If he could stay on the field, best missed tackle rate among all rookie wide receivers. He is yeah. good in the yards after the catch department as well. So I think he has a bright future ahead of him. He just needs to stay on that football field. But yep, thanks for pointing that out, Marty. That, that was yeah. definitely uh, <laughs> that was a great one. My reaction. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody else was about three or four seconds, maybe even more before Tom. So everyone was chatting and talking, and then Tom comes in the left field and just screams how he absolutely loves it. I, it's it's one that we're definitely going to have to rewatch in the 2022 draft. Yeah, abs- absolutely. <laughs> we'll probably have to do. Um, you know, some draft talk too, as we get closer, but let's pick this football game. Marty, we'll start with you. Um, who do you got winning on Sunday and uh, you got a final score for us? Yeah, I think it's going to be a close one. I think that we will end up winning. Um, Ron Rivera is going to try to preach to these guys to finish strong. And Joe judge has been talking a little smack. So um, I definitely want to send him off on his way with a, a little up uh, with a little sour taste. So give me the red, give, give me the Washington football team 20 to 14. 
2014. I think, wow, Marty, you have a scoring two touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really generous. I know. I know your defense has been subpar this year, but wow. Uh, Hank, what do you got for us, Hank? Twenty-three ten, Washington. All right. Well, you have the Giants scoring a touchdown. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> I also have the Giants scoring a touchdown. I think Washington's going to win by a final score of. 16 to 13. Oh, it's a good score. Yeah, it is a weird score. Um, it's going to be interesting. We all have Washington winning clean sweep. That means hopefully it goes the other way, but highly doubtful. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Marty, is there anything you wanted to add here on this Giants-Washington game heading into Sunday? No, no. I, I mean, it's just unfortunate. I wish this was a different turn of events and we were playing on Sunday night against you guys for a win and get in scenario. I think they're one of the best in sports, but unfortunately we're in the both in the position where we're looking towards the off season and excited to see what both of these teams do, especially at the quarterback position moving forward. And, uh, you know, appreciate that. Appreciate the invite onto the show and maybe, Next year, when we meet up for the Week 18 matchup, it'll be a lot more exciting. Absolutely. I I think another thing, too, is four months ago, we thought this game would be a win-and-end game, right? We thought this would be the Sunday night football game, and sadly, it's not. We also potentially thought that these two teams might be the top two teams in the the division again. They're the bottom two teams. But Yep. Marty, if you can just uh, plug your podcast, intercept your lunch, and where people can find that, because obviously I've always thought it's a very clever podcasting name. So why don't <laughs> you tell the folks where they can find all your great content? Certainly, certainly. Intercept your lunch. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at int underscore your underscore lunch. We've taken off the holiday season, hoping to gear back here soon, but with the Washington football team kind of going down the drain. The motivation isn't there. So um, playoff football around the corner where we're going to fire this thing back up and uh, looking forward to another year with working with you guys, covering football and all other different sports. Absolutely. And we'll have to try to get you on our draft show this year. That's going to be certainly uh, a lot of fun. But Marty, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you on Sunday, and we will talk to you very soon. Okay. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Marty. That was Marty Joins from Intercept Your Lunch. Hank, it, it was weird because we had a guest lined up for tonight. Yeah. And Marty came in clutch. I'm like, oh, we really should have Marty on. I, you know, we always like talking with him. He gives a lot of good insight when it comes to Washington. Well, you know, we – we still like to call them by their old name, but uh, yeah, we're not, let's not go there. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it is what it is. And I think the giants right now are in a position where uh, they're looking into the off season. That's pretty much what they're doing. You know, it's yep. sad. last year at this time, playoff spot on the line at, at five and 10. <laughs> At five and ten, now we're right. four and twelve. 
you know what? It is what it is. I I thought that that this time last year at this time I thought this year at this time would have been an improvement, but unfortunately, it was just not to not to be. Dave Gettleman proved he is not the right GM for this team. Hopefully, by this time next week, he will be out of a job. Hopefully, changes will be made, and hopefully, let's assume that Joe Judge is back. Let's hope he gets it right and that he knows he does things his way, just like a certain coach did 37 years ago. If you know your Giants history, you know who I'm talking about. But in any event, I'm hoping the Giants can finish strong, but at the end of the day, win or lose, it just it doesn't matter. I'm I'm on to next season already. But on another note though, before I go, once football season ends. Just a friendly neighborhood reminder, whether you're like it or not, you better hop on this bandwagon and I will welcome you in there with open arms. But as always, Tom, thanks again for having me all year long. It is always a pleasure talking to you about our New York football giants. Win or lose, you and I bleed blue every week and hopefully better days are ahead. Absolutely. Uh Next week, folks, we will be having a show where we will recap the Washington game and we'll probably talk about the Giants GM opening a little bit. We'll start to preview the offseason. And then after next week, we'll have one more live show on the review and preview Facebook page for the season where we will give our top 10 Giants players of 2021. Hank and I will each come up with a list and we'll pretty much recap the season that was for the 2021 New York football giants. One last comment here from Steve, not hockey fan, but I'll root for your Rangers. Yep. Thanks Steve. Uh, We'll be up late tonight. Rangers got a game out on the West coast against the Vegas golden Knights. So hoping the Rangers can pick up, what is it? Win number 24 now, something like that. Yeah, they will. They now have 48 points. They're pretty much in first place. I know technically they're tied. I know teams have games at hand, but at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. The teams that are close by them, they have bigger games against them later on in the season. So the Rangers pretty much control their own destiny, and they are a much more entertaining and fun team to watch than their football counterparts. I'll say that. Well, 2022, hoping for better things for the Giants. But let's hope we end off the season on a win. On that note, on behalf of Hank and Dichter, I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long. You've been watching Big Blue Avenue here on Facebook Live. Hope you all have a good night. Enjoy week 18 NFL action as the playoff picture comes into fold. And one last time this season, let's go Big Big Blue. Blue.